Welcome to this podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. It publishes original research and topical reviews on basic and clinical aspects of gastrointestinal sensation and motility, as well as brain-gut interaction. So welcome everyone to this month's podcast from Neurogastroenterology and Motility. My name is Adam Farmer. I'm a gastroenterologist at the Wingate Institute in London. Uh, This month it's my great pleasure to welcome Professor David Grundy. David is a professor of biomedical science at the University of Sheffield and has produced some of the field's most seminal research regarding the neural control of gut function. So David, many thanks for joining us on the podcast this month and congratulations to you and your co-authors on your paper entitled Interplay Between Mast Cells, Entochromaffin Cells and Sensory Signaling in the Aging Human Bowel. So what have previous animal studies shown with regards to visceral pain perception and how this changes with age. Okay, well, um, uh, thanks, Adam, for uh, inviting me to uh, to discuss our paper with you. Um, we've actually learnt uh, a lot about the mechanisms that underlie sensory signaling from the gut, um, both in terms of morphological features, association of afferent terminals with other structures in the gut wall, uh, and the molecular mechanisms that determine excitability of signal transduction in the peripheral endings. And in this respect, what has been described is a diverse population of, uh, of endings, uh, each with uh, their own characteristics. Uh, and uh, in these animal studies, it's been shown uh, how they, they, uh, they transduce different stimuli, both from the lumen of the gut, but also from within the, the wall uh, the gut wall itself. Uh, and in the last uh, five years or so, these same receptor endings have been uh, uh, seen to, to be present in, in human bowel. Uh, and in this respect, there seems to be a good correlation between uh, uh, human and uh, these animal mouse, uh, mouse studies. Um, so whilst the basic principles of uh, signaling seem to be uh, comparable in uh, our animal studies, um, little is known uh, from human work how these mechanisms uh, uh, alter with age. Um, although there is evidence from clinical studies that there is a, a blunting of sensitivity in the elderly and this potentially could lead to, uh, to some of the symptoms of bowel dysfunction that occur uh, increasingly as we uh, age. So in your experience, what do you think the main determinants of visceral sensation are? Well. There, it's a combination of, of peripheral and, uh, and central mechanisms. Um, the peripheral mechanisms are there to detect events within the bowel. Uh, and in terms of sensation, uh, things like distension or powerful contraction uh, can lead to, uh, to sensory experience. But you really need the central mechanisms in order to interpret those peripheral uh, signals. And those central mechanisms are then necessary for the perception of the stimulus itself, but also the uh, emotional behavioral consequences of, uh, of visceral pain. Um, and we know a lot about those central mechanisms in humans from uh, uh, studies in, uh, involving functional brain imaging. In humans, we, we know much less about what's happening at the peripheral level in terms of signal transduction. So what do you think the main weaknesses, particularly the animal studies, uh, are to date really with respect to direct human translation? There's always going to be a question mark hanging over animal studies in terms of the extent to which these findings translate to, uh, to humans. 
Uh, and in particular, there have been some concerns uh, uh, recently f uh, from drug discovery programs and novel therapeutics that uh, have been validated in animal studies but have then subsequently failed uh, in, in the clinic, in clinical trials, either because of unpredictable adverse events or uh, for lack of uh, efficacy. Uh, and uh, whilst there are many factors that can contribute to failure in translation, um, species differences is always going to be, uh, be a concern. Um, and so uh, by being able to, um, to work directly uh, in human tissue uh, can remove one of, those, uh, one of those obstacles. So what were the objectives of your study? Uh, well, we've been recording from uh, visceral afferents in isolated gut, gut segments for, uh, for, for many years. Uh, and about five years, years ago, we started to explore the possibility of doing this in uh, human resected uh, segments. Uh, and the rationale was that, you know, if we can record from these uh, nerves in, in mice, then it should be possible to do uh, in humans. Uh, but in humans, there's huge log logistic difficulties that um, that uh, limit the first of all the access to the tissue and also the uh, the ability to get viable tissue back uh, into the lab where it can be studied uh, using our electrophys electrophysiological techniques. Uh, and it really takes uh, uh, a dedicated team, both uh, the clinical uh, scientists who are involved in in the surgical procedures and going that extra step in order to uh, provide us with the tissue. Uh, and then in this case, Yang Yu and, and Wen Yang, who put in a huge amount of effort in, in order to be able to, uh, uh, to develop the technique to record from these nerves uh, that's allowed us to characterize features of uh, human gut sensory signaling. Um, the other aspect of, uh, of human work, though, is that um, it provides uh, a diversity of tissue. Uh, we tend to take anything that's available, and that means we're looking at different regions of gut, uh, segments from males and females with different uh, underlying pathology, uh, different age uh, ranges. Uh, and that uh, has um, allowed us to probe the factors that influence afferent sensitivity uh, in, in these patient uh, samples. Uh, and in this particular study, we've uh, examined the impact of uh, age. And for statist statistical comparison, uh, we made the cutoff at 65, which uh, keeps me in the younger category just about. That's brilliant. No, I agree. These studies take a, a her Herculean effort from uh, a number of uh, members of the team. So what were your, your methods and, and really your key results uh, from your study? Uh, the main uh, approach was electrophysiology, um, so the, the uh, recording of uh, action potentials in the colonic afferent nerves as they emanate from the, uh, the bowel wall. Uh, and we've combined this electrophysiology with the uh, morphological characterization, particularly looking at uh, uh, nerve density uh, using uh, antibodies to um, uh, to, to label nerve terminals in the gut wall. Uh, we've looked at mast cell distribution and also EC cells and try to correlate then uh, changes in these different pop cell populations uh, and affluent innovation. And we've also used PCR to examine uh, uh, expression of, uh, of Q 
key sensory receptors and how they may be different in uh, younger and older uh, samples. And then what, what were your key results uh, to come from your study? Well, by recording directly from the afferent um, themselves, uh, the impulse traffic uh, from these uh, samples, we've demonstrated uh, that comparing younger and older specimens, uh, that there is uh, an attenuation in nerve activity with age. Um, and this is associated with concurrent changes in nerve density in entrochromaffin cell numbers and, and also in, in mucosal mast cells. And what were the limitations of your study? Um, there are technical limitations to this, uh, this kind of work. Um, uh, despite the best efforts of, uh, of our clinical colleagues, the number of um, viable preparations that we could get into the lab and, and actually record affluent activity, it was about one in four. Uh, and so uh, it really is a slow process in, in developing uh, uh, the data um, from these kind of experiments. Um, I guess the, ma the main limitation is that unlike in animal studies where you have defined genetic backgrounds, you have control breeding, uh, you have uh, controls over the food intake and, and, and time of day and all of these, these various factors that uh, help to eliminate some of the variability. Uh, we don't have that in these uh, human uh, samples and so things like genetic factors, uh, medical history and in particular I think prior treatment uh, can confound some of the data interpretation. So whilst we uh, we see changes with, with age, whether it's age per se that is, is defining those changes or whether it's a consequence of uh, uh, a lifetime of other treatments and, and uh, history is not clear. So where do you think the knowledge gaps are in the field and, and how uh, in your opinion, should we go about uh, addressing these in the future? I think um, there's still a great unmet clinical need for, for new drugs to treat GI symptoms such as pain. Um, using this type of approach, uh, recording from human sensory uh, affluence directly, uh, means that um, uh, we can introduce human studies into the drug discovery program at a much earlier time point. Um, and this will help, I think, eliminate some of the question marks around uh, species uh, variability. Um, but it also means that uh, uh, we can move the, the drug discovery program forward uh, considerably. Uh, and in respect to uh, the influence of aging on sensory signaling, then perhaps uh, the findings that we've shown here with the blunted signaling from uh, bowel of elderly uh, patients, this might lead to approaches to help manage uh, GI symptoms in, in these patients. So with that, David, I'd like to thank you and your co-authors for a really excellent uh, paper and assisting in this month's uh, podcast and also our listeners for tuning in. I look forward to welcoming you all again on another instalment of the podcast next month. Further information about this paper can be found on the journal website. We hope that you have enjoyed this podcast and we look forward to welcoming you to next month's edition.